0: Up everybody! This is episode 17 of All About the Birds. Johnny Lecca with Phil Stifle, and we have a guest in Ross Tucker tonight. And thanks for uh, joining us, Ross, um, on this episode of All About the Birds. The first question that I'm going to lead into and talk about is something that happened last week—the Brandon Brooks injury. And I know you played guard in the NFL. And what's your thoughts of, you know? say a young guy like Matt Pryor, I know you did the Eagles preseason games, so I think you saw a little bit of kind of what Pryor can do, and I know he did play a couple of games last year, Um, do you think they need to go a veteran route, get a veteran, not saying a, you know, a a higher price veteran or a kind of like a Larry uh, Larry Warford or maybe like a lower level guy to put behind Pryor, but how do you think Pryor's development is?
1: So what's interesting about the Brandon Brooks injury, thank you guys for having me, really appreciate it. As soon as I got the email from you, John, and it said all about the birds podcast, I was like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> Your backdrop, by the way, is incredible. You got a little Villanova at Penn State, everything oh. else is the Eagles, I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah I gotta
2: Look at my backdrop here, I got like a workout office, and it's just, it's a mess. So
0: This the is the dungeon.
2: Tell I... me, guys, so this is what I do when I come on other podcasts. Not only
1: do I promote the crap out of my own stuff, like Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, the Ross Tucker podcast, among others, but I gotta know, like, I gotta know who I'm talking to. Like, obviously, you guys are Eagles fans. where do you live give me the background then i'll tell you more about brandon brooks than you could ever want in your whole life
0: no absolutely so um i decided to start this with you know with everything going on with the COVID, i I would always go on walks and i I listen to podcasts and uh get some exercise everything and and i thought to myself you know i love sports i love football love the eagles i have knowledge about it and i could do this myself so the funny thing is Phil and I we were like we were like freelance writing for a site and I never really met him or talked to him so I just messaged him as hey hey do you want to do an Eagles podcast with me cuz my my buddy couldn't come on the one week and I wanted to do it when the Eagles did the draft and he goes sure so our first episode wasn't very good but it was the first time that Phil and I actually talked to each we had other we
2: never met ever never talked yeah. on the phone nothing just messaged on Twitter you know I'm from southern chester county you know I have a pizza shop. I'm one of the few not furloughed right now. I've been working nonstop. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a failed-out broadcasting major that went into the pizza business. So, <laughs> somebody, so, so he said, I need somebody on a podcast. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Let's talk football. Let's talk the Eagles, you know. Phil, and, I like Phil, I like your interest. We have the same yeah. interest, bro. Broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I got out of it my freshman year of college, you know, I had to go back and get like a, my friends always made fun of me, I wasn't good enough to be a broadcast major, so I went back and got a baking muffins degree in hotel <laughs> restaurant management, so as I do, I wear it on everything, so you see, support local I, I, pizza shops. I, I, I support local
1: pizza, so I live in uh, Harrisburg, so I have, Okay. I, I usually either go with Pizza Boy, uh, which is Owls of Hampton, or I go with cd pizza but both local always yeah, and so those are my guys shop. love them and uh in fact when the virus first hit i would take turns going back and forth which one i would order from either delivery or curbside pickup and really I, I you know i tried to be extra generous with the uh tips because you know you couldn't go inside so like they sell beer it's a brewery too the one of them is so like they're not getting the tips that
2: they're used to. So yeah. anyway, what my 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 staff, my staff is making more money from the tips from everybody like you being so generous than they are from what I'm paying them. Some like, nights are making 10, 12, $13 an hour and tips just running out to the car. So every, I'm sure your guys out there appreciate it so, so much because I know I appreciate my town and how much they've, you know, been outpouring yeah. you know, support to us and all. And, and all for right, me- so, so Phil, so Phil, what town are you in? Like what school Tennessee. district? Uh, Kenneth Square, do you know the Kenneth Square
0: Unionville area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just got the Westchester. Right. So I'm, me, I'm in Lehigh Valley. I'm in a. Ima- it's called emmaus So it's right out, right I'm by Allentown. Very
1: familiar, John. Very okay.
0: familiar. All right. So um, I'm from
1: Why Missing. Okay. And when I was like in sixth and seventh grade, maybe eighth grade, Why Missing used to play in Mayus actually, yep. and I used to go to those games. emmaus was like. We were a little single-A school, and Emmaus was the big 4A school that we would play so we could get all the PowerPoints.
0: Yeah, and I um, I, I, graduated the year before Kevin White graduated, who went to the Bears and went to West Virginia. and And right. um, the White brothers, they're all, you know, kaiser plays for the Chargers now. And, you know, I just, that's, I, I grew up here. I, w- I was, um, I, I live here now in, in Emmaus on Main Street, everything, but. Yeah, I'm a, the,
2: I like it. All right. So anyway, so I just wanted to get a little bit of background. No, that's fine. I love it. That's the most any guest in our 17 episodes have cared about us. I love it. You know, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I'm happy to
1: talk Eagles, whatever, but like, I want to know you guys, right? Like you guys are Eagles fans. You're diehards. I love it. So here's the deal with the Brandon Brooks thing, and you brought on the right guy to talk about it. It creates a number of issues, Right so number one issue is he was probably the best player on the team last year uh i thought he was the best guard in football i think it's ridiculous that he was able to play that well at 340 pounds coming off a torn achilles in mid-january i mean that's that's insane and then he goes out and plays that well absolutely incredible and so there's a couple issues. Number one, you now have two starting positions that are question marks, right? Right guard and left tackle are relative question marks. That doesn't mean, let's say, Matt Pryor, Andre Dillard won't come out and be awesome. I hope they are. But for right now, they're question marks. you got to be honest about it. And not only that, this is the strength of the team. I mean, the best position on the team last year was the offensive line. It's the best position group. So now you're going from last year where it was the best position on the team to now you have not only question marks at two starting positions, but now depth is a real issue, right? Because if Brooks is playing, you have Pryor as a guy that can back up at both guards, maybe even back up at both tackles. You still have a guy I like in my lotta. I'm not giving up on my lotta at all. So you still have those guys. But now, if Pryor's the starter, now you kind of have depth issues, and you got it depends on how they feel about guys like Sua, Opetta, and Nate Herbig, a couple guys that were rookies last year. And this is where the virus really hurts because they would have been able to see in OTAs and minicamp if those guys could step up their games to another level. You know, the the biggest. Strides I made in my career by far were between year one and year two. Year one, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to make the team? Like, am I doing the right thing? Year two, even though it wasn't true, in my head, I was like, I'm the baddest dude out here. I'm going to kill everybody. Like, just the difference in confidence between year one and year two changes things so much. And so they don't know if Herbig and Opetta have that. They don't know even, you know, it also gives you a little indication of, like, Jack Driscoll and, and Prince that the rookies, and do they look like they're going to have a shot to help us this year? Are they going to have to more or less have red shirt years? It's really messed up a lot of things, which is a long-winded way of me answering, John, that, that they have two choices. They can either go with what they've got now, and if they get a couple weeks in the training camp, there's some other veteran guys that are available that they could sign if they're like, oh, man, we need somebody. Yeah. Or they could sign a guy like Mike Person, who started 30 games the last couple of years for the Niners, started a whole year at center for the Falcons once. So I like his versatility. Started in the Super Bowl last year. I think he would come pretty cheap. And so, worst-case scenario, Pryor beats him out. You've got a really experienced center guard there, and maybe Herbig plays awesome, and you can cut Person. Does it? But it, you have like uh, a safety, a safety, a safety mark.
0: Didn't didn't Person um, doesn't he have connections with Skangarillo in San Francisco? I'm not sure if he does. I'm not sure when the timeline in yeah, terms I, of. I I
1: don't know that. Um, I don't know if they overlapped in San Francisco at all, but it's certainly possible.
0: Because I try and look at that with available free agents in terms of who they played for in terms of what coaches are on the Eagles staff and kind of who they've – to kind of get a little bit of if some if familiarity and everything.
1: Well, that's, that's a big factor, and it's one reason why I played for five teams is I wasn't good enough evidently and with all the coaching changes to ever stay for a while with a team, but there was always coaches that liked me and liked what I brought to the table. And so when I would get cut – they would be somewhere else and they would pick me up, to your point, John. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I take notes whenever we're doing this podcast, whenever we're interviewing, or even if we don't have a guest, I'm always writing notes. So, no, I had a follow up you, you never know who's
1: going to ask you after they call it, for two larges with pepperoni. I know. I want <laughs> to <laughs> know who's
2: going to exactly. say, What do you think about the backup? Oh, exactly. oh, <laughs> always taking notes. So I had a follow up question, but I, you're the first person I've talked to in. Months that has mentioned Mylotta's name and said you haven't given up on him. So I'm kind of changing my question, and I'm trying to see what, what, what have you seen in the, such a limited amount of time that you can say that uh, you, know, you haven't given up on him? Does he really have the potential, again, with more, more no OTAs and rookie camps and all that stuff, to really be an active member of this roster? Yeah, that
1: hurts, that hurts him for sure. So
2: listen, let's go back to two years ago.
1: He's 20 years old, playing a sport for the first time ever. And by the last preseason game, he's looking awesome. And by the way, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten close to him. Huge. He is, I mean, he is a unit. He is a specimen. And for him to have played that well in his first preseason at 20 years old, never playing the sport before... I was absolutely floored. Now, you know, he wasn't going to play that year. It's his first year ever playing the sport, and then they put him on IR late in the year. Like he wasn't going to play over Peters or Vici or Lane Johnson. So I don't know why like, people are like, what, "What did you want?" And Then last year, they still weren't sure about him, and they felt like there was a lot of value in Dillard, so they got Dillard. You know, they're an organization that feels like they always want to make sure they have good tackles because they've seen teams with bad tackles and how much that hurts them. And, and my lot early on with them having him flip back and forth, right and left tackle, that might have stunted his growth a little bit, but I still thought he did a lot of good things in the preseason. I, I, I still remember that very well. That yeah, he remember that, game that very well.
2: From that- that first year, I mean, I remember that game, and I'm like, "All right, I'm 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 on board." And then last year, I just didn't see much out of him last year. a yeah, little he got
1: well in the preseason. Yeah. Um, and I like I I would be I would not I would not be hesitant to have him be the swing tackle okay. behind Dillard and Johnson. I think in as long as he's I'm, healthy, I'm
2: writing it right right
1: down in my notes. He's gone on IR two years in a row, but as long as he's healthy, it'll be his third year in the system. He's got the physical ability. I say let him ride. I say let him roll. If, if Lane gets hurt or Dillard gets hurt, put him in. And I'd say the same thing about Matt Pryor at right guard. I mean, if you keep guys on rosters for multiple years, you'd like to think by their third year, if there's an injury like there is, that they're ready to roll.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, what, the next question I want to talk about is something that came up um, late last week, and the whole Jamal Adams talk, and saying he wants a trade, requesting a trade. Uh, I know he lists, there's a list of teams, but you know, the Eagles are on that list. But with the amount of money that he's going to want, fourteen, eighteen million $18 a year, in terms of top safety, top defensive backs being paid, and giving up premium picks and or players, how do you feel that situation in terms of the Eagles – would work if they could try and maneuver that. Highly
1: unlikely. And if they should do it, you
2: know.
1: Yeah, highly unlikely. I doubt it. I don't think that they should. I think that if they were going to trade picks and pay a premium amount,
0: I think they'd be more likely to maybe do it at defensive end. That's what I was thinking. With a guy like Yannick Ngakwe,
1: than they would with a safety who's really more of a box safety like Jamal Adams. I had Greg Cosell on Friday on the Ross Tucker football podcast, and he said something that was interesting, which is that he's not really like your Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, ball hawk, deep middle where Rodney McLeod plays. He'd be more the Malcolm Jenkins, um, you know, Jalen Mills type, where they're going to have Jalen Mills this year. But that's a lot of money to – pay for a guy that plays near the line of scrimmage and doesn't affect the passing game as much as you would want to Having some idea of the way Eagles value players, I would be surprised if they did
0: that. And, and you know, I thought about it after our last episode talking about it and everything and really thinking, you know, you have a guy like Will Parks who's young. Yeah, it's a one-year deal, but seeing what he how he fits in your system, you have Rodney McLeod, and then you draft Kayvon Wallace. And Kayvon Wallace plays more of a box type of position. Yeah, he played a little bit you know in the back end but his strong suit is getting up and tackling and getting in the face and playing the run and doing that kind of thing and you can't have too many of the same players if I'm going to give up premium picks like you said I would go after defensive end because that's what the Eagles in terms of the Super Bowl year what did they do that was their strength they rotated how many different defensive ends defensive linemen into the fray to be able to attack opposing offenses so thinking about it I think it's really unlikely I just don't want to see Dallas get him. In my opinion, I'll give him. He can go anywhere else, but I'm not going to give up all that premium picks just to keep him away from another another team. That's just that's not smart business. You know, if Dallas gave up a lot of picks and a lot of money for him,
2: that might end up being a positive. True. Yeah. Speaking of Dallas, since we we will transition right into that and all. Um, we're just about to start the next couple episodes breaking down the rest of the NFC East, what their off-seasons were like and all. Um, and I know you tweeted out today that you were not a fan of Dak signing the uh, franchise uh, tender as soon as he did. Um, I mean, first off, your more, more detailed thoughts on that. Uh, we spent some time last week talking about Dalvin Cook and the rookie wage scale and how um, it's kind of – I'm personally not on board with the way it's structured and everything – um, it really hurts those players when they bust out pretty early in their careers. Um, it worked out in Zeke's favor, holding out. He got what he needed. Um, if you want to talk about Dak and and the Cowboys or any of the NFC East, you know, teams and what they did this off season, um, yeah. Love love your thoughts on all that. Yeah. So there's two things
1: on Dak. Number one, I just don't. Like my question to Dak would be, why now? Yeah, you know, I'm like here. if you're going to sign it, you could have signed it in April so that you could be part of all the virtual meetings and stuff. Yeah. If you were going to leave that out there as a, Hey, I might hold out. You better give me a long-term deal then I don't know why you would sign it before July 15th. That's the deadline for a long-term deal to get what he really wants, which is over a hundred million dollars fully guaranteed. And listen, if you just want it to be a threat then after July 15th, you can still sign it and show up for the first day of training camp if you want to. I've seen Cowboys fans say it's a, he's being a leader, it's a, it's a show of good faith. Well, if he's being a leader, a show of good faith. He could have done it in yeah, April. Absolutely. And the Cowboys showed last year who ends up getting the money. And it's the guy that holds out. It's Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. That, that's who got the money. Zeke Elliott holding out. Even though Dak's the guy that should have gotten paid last year, before Zeke did and I would say I know Dak played with some pressure on him last year but if I'm an Eagles fan I I personally think Dak's pretty darn good and I think either option right now seems like a good one from an Eagles perspective because it feels like they're either going to have to pay him a lot of money like he's going to be the highest paid quarterback ever for a minute until Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson gets it maybe that's what he's waiting for quite frankly or he just keeps playing on the tag, and I don't care what anybody says. Even if he performs well, it still hurts the team. You think about the Kirk Cousins years. You think about Dak last year. When those quarterbacks playing on the franchise tag, for whatever reason, it's 8-8, eight eight, Bill. I mean, yeah. they're 8-8 eight and eight because it's, there's just so much constant noise and chatter around that contract.
2: I don't know why it seemingly affects them, but it does. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, I, I hate saying it because I was taught to hate the Cowboys, but I think Dak's a really good quarterback. He's not, I mean, I'm not saying this because I'm a homer. I think Wentz is elite. I think he's one of the top, you know, four quarterbacks in the league. I would not put Dak that high. But I think Dak has shown that he's a, you know, he's a really, he, he definitely deserves, you know, one of those max-type contracts that he's looking for. But the longer so it drives imagine,
1: out. Imagine, uh, imagine, imagine, being like you a diehard Eagles fan your whole life and then you're playing for the Cowboys and you're starting starting against the Eagles in a Saturday night ESPN primetime game when you're 23 years old it's weird because i didn't have an issue putting the Cowboys helmet on cuz Cowboys helmets sweet like it looks pretty sweet like like i'm for the Cowboys pretty sweet what was weird was playing against the Eagles. Yeah. Because they had so many guys that, like, a couple years earlier in high school and college I had been cheering for was, like, Hugh Douglas and B-Doc and Troy Brinkton and those guys. And then I'm out there, like, trying to to kill them. I'm playing against them. But those are, like, my guys I was cheering for, like, in my dorm room two years earlier. It's pretty funny.
0: No, that's – (laughs) <laughs> that's that's Did great you
1: ask him for an autograph after the game you know it's like hey i'm no, gonna block you now you can't can get do an that you know in an hour i stopped with the autograph thing when i was like 13 or 14 then i was like the heck with that it's time to stop stop asking for autographs and find a way to start giving them
0: yeah yeah, no <laughs> that's know. i like it but um it's it's funny you talk about the cowboys and everything because i went on and i i got a picture of because i'm for uh the episode i'm piecing something together and it's a picture and it's going to be a little bit of your audio and stuff but it's a picture of you on every team you played for and of course one's a cowboy and then you have the bills and the patriots and the redskins and um another picture of you with all four helmets or i think all four or five four yeah, helmets yeah, 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 yeah. and um i just thought because you said the cowboys and i just i'm like oh yeah that's right i did i did see that it was you were on the cowboys <laughs> it's
1: funny because i was with the redskins and they cut me, I got picked up on waivers the next day by the Cowboys, so it's like those two teams hate each other mm-hmm. and I went from one to the other and I was an Eagles fan and uh, I think my paycheck, because there's no state income tax in Texas I think my paycheck went up like 1500 bucks a week, I was like dude, being <laughs> fired is awesome being fired
2: is amazing <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember about that time frame we're, because we're probably pretty close in age we're older than Johnny, Johnny's a little baby, baby. he's wearing his diapers and all, you know you know, but uh, 2002, 2003, 2004—that time frame—and hey, $1,500 a paycheck—that would have been—that'd been
1: nice. And when you're 23, yeah. all I ever looked at that is like how many kegs of Yingling that is. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that would be exactly exact, my exact factoring in there. Thank you so guys good. so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And I and I, I appreciate you coming on with us and giving us the time. Talk some Eagles. Talk some football and um you know this will drop tomorrow at 8 a.m and i'll put a post out a tweet out and uh, on instagram as well and i'll tag in everything on that and i really appreciate ross uh coming on you can follow ross at ross tucker nfl and twitter and um on twitter and instagram and then at the ross tu- at ross tucker pod um very good podcast i listened to it a couple episodes the last couple days and it's very insightful and awesome man
1: well, I appreciate you saying that, um, and I appreciate everybody following those accounts and checking out the podcast. Anytime, happy to come on with you guys. Go, Birds. Hopefully there's... They keep talking about cutting down the preseason. We don't need that.
0: We need more preseason. We need more TV time for me. Yeah, we, we need, need more Ross preseason Tucker. Games,
1: okay? We need more time with me talking to all the Eagles fans. So. I will now root for more preseason just for you. you know, in all sincerity, the last thing I'll leave you guys with It's so stupid that they would shut, like, all years to shut the preseason down. Like, they say it's because they want to ramp up for the players. But you guys know the first preseason game and the fourth preseason game, none of the best 30 players on the team are playing anyway. No. It's like the bottom 50 guys. Guess what? Those guys would do anything to play. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make the team.
0: They get filmed. No
1: TAs, no minicamp. Yeah. So cutting the preseason does nothing. Yeah, because the only people that would play in the game are the guys that want to be playing like they want as many preseason games as they can because they can get. So it's something that they'll say is about safety, which is really not. It's stupid. But uh, what are you going to do? I'll just have to I'll just have to dazzle all you guys for the two or three games or however many we have. That's fine. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Thanks Ross. Much. All right.
2: Thanks.
0: We're going to pause for a message from our sponsors. We're back here. It was great uh, talking with Ross. And we're going to break down some uh, NFC East opponents. Um, the next couple episodes, we're going to talk about the off-seasons and what the rosters look like of the other, other teams in the division. And this week, it's going to be the New York Giants we're going to talk about. Uh, Phil and I are going to discuss it. Uh, we'll go position by position. Uh, we'll talk about the offense and defense. Kind of go about uh talking the the signings they made, the draft, and kind of see where they're where the how they stack up to the Eagles. And first position of course well we'll start with the head coach. They got a new coach, Joe Judge, from the Patriots. You know, don't know really too much about him. The only thing I know is that he's from Belichick Belichick's tree, which isn't always yeah, the greatest that, thing. Yeah, that's
2: the first thing that you think of when you think when you hear Joe Judge comes from you know New England is you know the Bill Belichick tree. He learned from Bill Belichick. Um, you know he coached the off special teams and wide receivers over in, in the Patriots. Um, he's even got a little bit of defensive uh, coaching history uh, in college at Birmingham Southern. He did coach linebackers there. So I mean he's got a pretty well rounded you know coaching. You know history of what he's learned, and uh, I mean it can't be as bad as coaching the last last few years of coaching in uh, New York Giants, and when you get somebody that comes from the Patriots, they, they come from a winning leg. Um, so well, I mean, Jason Garrett the though is there... I mean that's that's the one thing that all the NFC East teams did this off season is they upgraded their coaching staff, and I think that makes a, a big difference.
0: Yeah, uh, Jason Garrett's their offensive coordinator, so
2: yeah, that, that, that kind of hurts. I mean that, that totally changes everything. Yeah. But Garrett won't be
0: calling the plays, I don't think. Oh. I've,
2: read, I've read. I believe Judge will be calling will the plays. He will
0: call the plays? Okay. So he'll just kind of put the philosophy intact in and kind Good. of change. But
2: it's Kind of like with the Eagles and yeah. uh, how uh, they're uh, doing it.
0: But with that, starting with their quarterback position, Daniel Jones, of course, the incumbent starter. He's going to be the starter. Um, he showed some flashes last year in a couple of games. But then, you know, he's a young, he's a, he was a young rookie, so... He had his his moments, you know, the first game he started against Tampa where he looked really good. And then there's other games against the Jets and even even the Eagles game that he played, he looked okay but looked shaky at times. But you're going to get that. But and they have and they they upgraded, in my opinion, they upgraded the backup. I know Eli Manning was the so-called backup, but he was basically Toast in terms of what he had left. You know they add Colt McCoy and then they picked up Cooper Rush off of waivers. So, and Colt,
2: Colt McCoy, man, he's he's keeping that career going for as long yeah.
0: as possible. Hey, he's 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 a decent backup. So you know with that the, the, the quarterback room, yeah they. I don't he's know. He's a good
2: veteran to have as a backup in the ear of Colt McCoy or yeah. in uh, Daniel Jones. Not saying Eli Manning didn't back him up well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a smart quarterback
0: room there, definitely. And 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 thing with Jones, he has a strong arm. Actually, he kind of, I'm not gonna say he reminds me of Josh Allen, but he has, he somewhat has the tools of what Josh Allen with the Bills. He's you know a bigger body quarterback. He has good arm strength, good arm talent, and he can he can move. Now he's not as fast, I think, as Josh Allen. Whatsoever, no, he, but... didn't
2: have the, he didn't have the rushing yards. I got his stats page up right here. Uh, he only had 45 yards rushing last yeah. year.
0: But so he, he can move in the pocket. Oh,
2: sorry, sorry, 45 rushes. So he had 279 yards rushing last yeah. year. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I brought up when I was doing the research for this. And, you know, he started 12 games. He played in 13 because he came in late in that one game, right when they to Eli. Uh, he did have 12 interceptions, you know, averaging one pick per game started. It's not good. No, but he did average two touchdowns per game started. Um, the one thing though that jumped out on uh, Pro Football Reference was that he was able to lead in his rookie year. He did have Saquon Barkley, but outside of that, I mean, it was a pretty, you know, mediocre team, terrible offensive line. He did lead two game-winning drives, yeah. and for a rookie quarterback not coming from a major college program, uh, that that's a that 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 says something about what the makeup of the kid is, and he, he's not he's not going to have the the quick progression of a Dak Prescott or a Carson Wentz, you know, in growing into, like, a star quarterback, but if they continue to build a solid team around him, which they did, I think, in the draft, at least at the top of the draft, you know, they get getting him an anchor on the line, I mean, I think the kid's got potential down the line to be a pretty solid quarterback if he keeps up at the right pace. I think
0: he does have pieces in terms of, you know, players... You know, weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Saquon Barkley is a top talent running back, can do so many things. Yeah, I they, mean
2: he might be the second or third best running yeah. back
0: in all of football. And they have they got Dion Lewis, and Deion Lewis can give you that scat back type of um type of play. And Wayne Gallman they still have from Clemson that they, they drafted um a couple of years ago, who's a good, you know, change uh um, third down back and everything. So the thing is. You know, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, who burned the Eagles' defensive backs on that Monday night game. Um, And then Evan Ingram, tight end. But the thing is, it's health. If they don't stay, you know, if they get a couple of injuries in the, either tight end gets hurt or a couple of injuries in the wide receiver, they're down to bottom of the barrel. They really don't have any depth at all. That's the thing. They have some talent in terms of uh, players at the top, but they don't have any depth. And they didn't they address a very young team too. Oh yeah. They're you know, they're they're rebuilding. they the thing is with with them, they did add to the offensive line with Andrew Thomas and then Matt Pert from Yukon. I really liked him coming out of the draft. And they got Shane Lemieux from Oregon, a guard, a center, a tie. He kinda of play could play a, yeah. a number of positions. If
2: you look at their draft, they drafted one, two, three... Four, they they had ten picks, okay, in the draft. Mm-hmm. They went offensive line. With three of them, they went four linebackers and three cornerback safeties. So they didn't take any skill players. They drafted players that help in the guts of the game, the heart, like the linemen, the 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 nitty gritty players that you need to build a team. And they actually got a guy that I wanted the Eagles to draft in the second round. You know, I wanted uh, Xavier McKinney. I thought the Eagles could have, you know, skipped. I don't want to get into the Eagles draft at this point. But my whole philosophy was the Eagles should have traded back from the regular pick and picked up an early second-round pick. And there there's a couple opportunities for them to do that, I thought. And I thought Xavier McKinney would have been a great pick for the Eagles late in the first round, beginning of the second round, and he would have helped our secondary a lot. So, again, he's a young player, and now I think he sucks since he's on the Giants. But, But, you know, he's definitely somebody that's going to make their defense a little bit better. It's just the rest of their defense isn't good enough around him just yet. Yeah, but I love the Andrew Thomas. You go out and you get a tackle to anchor that line behind a a young quarterback. It's great.
0: Yeah, because Thomas will probably start on the right side with Solder still there. Immediately. So, but, but Solder is he's, I think he's a shell of himself. He's not he's not living up to that big contract that they, that they uh, that they gave him, um, and they have a young guy Will Hernandez and even Kevin Zeitler who they got. Uh, last year, I think last year for from the Browns is a good quality guard. So they're trying to piece together an offensive line for their young quarterback, which is smart. You want to build up front. You want to be able to um, protect, you know, Daniel Jones, but also give running lanes to Barkley. And you know, we'll we'll see how it, how it goes. You know, they're a young team. They're not expected to be, you know, a playoff team this year. But even if they go and they wind up winning an extra two or three games, and they won last year. It's, you know, it's a step in the right di- direction for them. And, you know, and what, what did the Eagles have when they drafted Donovan McNabb? Donovan McNabb jumped up pretty
2: quickly. They had two All-Pro linemen right away on that line. The Eagles had added Runyon you know, Yeah. What yeah. is in 2000? 2000. 2000
0: right after he was. You know, yeah. So they
2: had Trey Thomas. Then they went out and added John Runyon. You, you, you anchor that line for a young quarterback. And it pays dividends, and that's the thing with, you know, the Giants. I mean, they have a young Daniel Jones. What is he? He'll be – he's 22 right now. He'll be 23 sometime this season. And uh, you have a young guy like that that doesn't have a lot of big game experience, you want a strong offensive line. You you want to build in the trenches. And, uh, you know, that that's the key right there. You have a great running back in Saquon. You have a young – you now you start building that line in those trenches. So that's – where I think that they did really well this off
0: season, and they, and they added a veteran tackle, Cameron Fleming, who played, I think he played with New England, he played with Dallas, I think last year, but as a swing tackle type of veteran to sit by to help, you know, help Thomas, but don't sleep on Matt Pert. Like you could see in a couple of years, you could see Andrew Thomas at left and Matt Pert at right tackle, and they have those those two young cornerstone offensive tackles. So that that's. That's something to really keep your eye on. They really yeah, built. I, mean, I, I always say that the Giants, and I say it with the Redskins too. They they do the typical
2: Giants thing. Gentlemen does the typical thing and reaches or grabs the wrong player. Or you know, you need a tackle, so let's go draft a, a punt returner. You know, instead. You know, and he actually did the right thing this off season in the and with things of building the team around their quarterback, which is disappointing as an Eagles fan. But
0: yeah, but. And I said I don't expect them to make a huge jump, but they're gonna they're gonna win no. a few more I mean, games. What was
2: their final record last year? The four four and twelve, or
0: I didn't actually bring up their record from last year. I think it was. 4-12. Uh, I can I... definitely see them. You know,
2: yeah, they were four and twelve last year. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, can they be better than four and twelve? I mean, I'm not sure, but I think they'll be a more competitive four and twelve.
0: Yeah.
2: A more dangerous four and twelve. They might be a five and eleven team, something like that. But they're gonna. They're going to fight harder. They're going to play harder. Having a, a, a having a Bill Belichick trained coach, they're going to be more disciplined of a team probably, uh, outside of rookie type mistakes and stuff like that. So it'll it'll be interesting to see with them.
0: And you know, starting on their you know de- talk about their defense, I think their defense is still going to be a three uh, four front uh, with who they added free agency wise and the type of players that they drafted and. Leonard uh, Leonard Williams, you know Dexter Lawrence, who they drafted out of Clemson and the nose tackle. He was, he showed flashes, um, especially in the run. uh, Big stocky nose tackle, and then Dalvin Tom Tomlinson. I, to me, looking at their defensive line, they have guys. They they added Austin Johnson as well, who's a defensive tackle. um, Probably more of the, I would think he'd be more like a nose tackle behind Lawrence, but. They have good players on the defensive line with Williams, Lawrence, Tomlinson, Austin Johnson, B.J. Hill, R.J. McIntosh. So they have depth there. Um, but again, they're, they're play, if they're playing a 3-4, what really those guys do is just stack it to stop the run. Um, you may have some pass rush, a little bit here and there. Um, but they added a ton of linebackers, and that's because they lost a bunch of guys. They, they released ag- Alec Ogletree um, and Marcus Golden, still a free agent, who's an outside backer for them. Kareem Martin they got rid of. Dion, Buch- Dion Buchanan they got rid of. So, And they added a ton uh, of linebackers. The two, the two Green Bay linebackers, the outside and inside backers, with Fackerel and Martinez. But they spent a lot of money on the linebackers this year.
2: Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you feel about uh, Jabril Peppers? He was a pretty hot commodity in Cleveland. He only played in 11 games with the Giants last year. I can't off the top of my head remember how they got him. But uh, I just remember when the the, uh, the Browns drafted him, that he was really going to you know, really make an impact on that Browns defense. It didn't quite materialize. Well, but when the Giants got him, it kind of made me, um, I don't want to say feared, but I was kind of worried that the Giants got him. But then again, last year he didn't do anything overly spectacular with the Giants either. So maybe he's just a not as good of a
0: player as he was expected to be. So to to go back on him, going back all the way, when he was coming out of high school and you know being a Penn State fan, Penn State was someone in the mix and, of course, Michigan and everything. He wound up going to Michigan. But he was almost like that prospect was, oh, man, he's going to be the next great thing. Now, of course, it's high school football, college football is a little bit different. He showed flashes. But the other thing with him is I just don't know what position... He fits in the NFL. Yeah, he's strong safety, but he, he's more of a in the box type of guy, and almost like a an extra an extra linebacker. And you know, he showed flashes, but he, you know, I, I, I just don't know where he fits. He's still a young player. He's still good. Yeah,
2: he's only twenty four years old. So I mean, yeah. I I don't want to say I, I've given up on him as a player as a whole. But uh, I mean, and again, I don't watch every single game of his because you know it's the Giants. But uh, you know, he was just a guy that, just like you said, he, he had so much talent and potential, and he just hasn't—it hasn't come together yet for him. I guess is the way to say. I, I, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, and they have some, you know, their their pass rush isn't the best. Their best pass rusher Marcus Golden, who's still a free agent, I think he had ten and yeah. a half sacks last year, and they have Lorenzo Carter and they signed like I said they signed uh Kyler Fackrell. um they have uh O'Shane Ziminis. I don't I probably butchered the <laughs> hell out of that but you know they 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 picked up guys in the draft like Carter Coughlin from Minnesota who is almost he fits that kind of edge rusher type Cam Brown from Penn State which you know I watch a lot of Penn State being a Penn State fan so I know a lot. You know, he's six foot five, two thirty-two, two thirty-three, and he fits kind of. He kind of play a couple of things, but I could see him playing outside. You know, rushing a little bit, but I also could see him on the inside, uh, in the three-four. And they also got T.J. Brunson, who's an inside linebacker from I think South Carolina, and then Tay Crowder, who's a linebacker out of Georgia. So they they, you know, bolster that step, adding a ton of players, and I think you know, adding a bunch of players and see who fits and who doesn't. But they. They're trying to up, upgrade their defense because the last couple of years, it just hasn't been good. And it hasn't been good since they they went all out in free agency when they signed Janoris Jenkins and Damon Snacks Harrison and Olivier Vernon, and they just spent a boatload of money, and it just didn't do anything for them. didn't show anything on the field, and they... Yeah, I just looked
2: it up I mean Golden led the team in sacks with ten sacks last year. It was ten okay. But then they had a couple guys at four and a half, a three and a half, a two. You know, they really could not apply much pressure. And that is a cornerback so or a defensive back in any position, cornerback or safety, you know, it's their biggest uh, you know, it hurts them the most. You know, if you can't get pressure and that quarterback has time all day to sit back there, you know, cornerbacks are gonna get burned every time. Yeah. You know. I- it's happened with the Eagles plenty of times throughout the history. You know, if you, you if you can't get that pass rush, you know the cornerbacks are sitting out on the island out there. And you know, I actually feel bad for safeties and cornerbacks anymore because you know, 20 years ago you could hand check a little bit, you could you could tug on the jersey a little bit. I mean, you can't sneeze nowadays on a wide receiver without getting a flag. And you know, with the lack of a pass rush. You know, you're you're, you're going to struggle big time there.
0: You're going to be susceptible to a lot of big plays, yeah. and and they have the thing is their defensive backfield is super young, and you know they they released Janoris Jenkins uh, last year, and he was he was off and on, but he showed a little bit, but he was a veteran, and Sam Beal and DeAndre Baker, who were both young players. Uh, Sam Beal was a second year guy, but he missed his first season because he was supplemental draft out of Western Michigan, and deandre baker out of georgia you know both young players basically they were essentially both in their first year and they struggled and you're gonna have that and they signed james bradbury from the panthers who is is a good player a very very good player and he's gonna step right into starting starting rotation right away for them and you know they have the slot cornerback grant haley out of penn state a smaller guy but and they signed nate ebner Basically, it was a special teams, but he's a safety and special teams guy. You know, Joe New England Joe Judge probably knows him very well, and you know they, but they did address the cornerback position and the safety position in the draft, like you said, Xavier McKinney they get out of Alabama, but the thing is that with with McKinney, because there's they're starting safeties, uh, Jabril Jabril Peppers, and then they had Antoine Bethea, but. He's no longer on, on the, the team. On the Giants
2: page right now, Julian Love is listed as the starting free safety, with McKinney as his backup.
0: Yeah, Julian I Love, I think, out of uh, out of Notre Dame, I think. If yeah, I'm. I can M- see that flopping,
2: though. I can see McKinney winning that. Oh, absolutely.
0: I mean, oh, at least absolutely. in a normal
2: off season, you know, with plenty of camps and rookie OTAs and stuff. You know, I could have seen McKinney easily winning that starting and, starting job.
0: And the thing is, a lot of teams do play three safeties a lot of the time. They play him a lot. Like it's not like almost like safety. You almost have three starters essentially, and they drafted a corner in the fourth round, Darnay Holmes from UCLA, who I like that pick as as a cornerback. I feel like he's a very very physical corner, up in your face. Um, but you I think someone
2: from Chip Kelly's team got drafted.
0: Yeah, he probably wanted to really get get the hell out of there, um, and then they drafted another guy who I saw. I think he was at. The Tropicana Bowl, one of the you know the All Star games, Chris Williamson out of Minnesota, who I really liked, uh, you know, watching his practice film and watching his game tape. Uh, I thought that he's very, ins- I think he could be a very very good special teamer. And of course, when you start drafting later in the draft, you're drafting for some special teams guys, especially with their defensive backfield. It isn't super deep. They don't have a ton of ton of players. I'm not counting any of the undrafted guys that they had. I didn't go that deep into looking just because with the undrafted, it's just so – you have no idea. Yeah. And I wasn't going to go that deep into it. But just kind of who they drafted and who's already – who's on the roster. Players they signed. Uh, Montre Hardage they signed. Just a, a defensive back. Uh, I think he's been in the league a couple of seasons. But, you know, all in all – and they had issues, I think, last week. Last week or maybe two weeks ago, their kicker was uh, arrested or, or something with – uh you know a drunken... So there was a suspended license and everything like that so i don't know how that's all going to come to uh fruition with him if he's going to get suspended or anything like that but he was a i think his name is Aldrich Ro, Rosas, Rosas and he's not a terrible kicker and kickers aren't ones you can just pluck anybody off at off the street and then all right it will be fine but he was very good on the on kickoffs super strong leg and you know, he had a Pro Bowl season in his rookie year, and then he came a little bit back down to earth last year. But, you know, he's still a good kicker, so they have some issues if he winds up getting suspended and everything. But all in all, their team, they have a young squad, and they could look totally different in terms of another maybe two to three years. And if any of these – some of these guys develop into who they think, and if Daniel Jones develops and their offensive line looks deeper, you know, they could be a threat, and it's not something to take lightly. Yeah, they may not be a threat this year, possibly next year, but...
2: We didn't even touch on it. I mean, we've, we've talked about Saquon. We've talked about Jones and their defense. I mean, they still have... I mean, why well, can't they have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton? Darius yeah. Slayton crushed us, and you know, Sterling Shepard... I mean, Gold Tate is who, who he is at this point in his career. Yeah. But they still have two really young and solid wide receivers that as they develop that chemistry with Daniel Jones, I mean, it's, it's going to be a dangerous offense if Jones develops. And I think when it comes to the, the Giants, when it comes to Redskins, when we talk about it, it's all going to come down to the development of those quarterbacks. Yeah. And the only thing in the Eagles' favor with the Giants and some of the other teams too is the fact that Jones is coming up with a new coach. They're going yeah. to have a new system of some kind. Um, he's going to have two new ears in Judge and you know Jason Garrett chirping in his ear. Uh, a new backup and Colt McCoy chirping in his ear, so it can help him develop in one sense, but it can also slow his development down to a touch, at least at first, because he, he's going to be learning a whole new system all over again.
0: And yeah, and you know, Ev- Evan Ingram is another weapon that, if yeah, he's healthy, I mean, it, really it good gives it gives them something. But the thing is, health is a huge, you know, must for them. If they stay healthy. I could see them, you know, winning more games than the four that they won last year, but you know, Golden Tate's not, not much more. You know, not much more. I, I, I have them five and eleven. That's what I have. Matt, the absolute. I mean, t- I not really look at their the
2: schedule, t- but just based off of their off season, yeah. they're not going to lose more than they did last year. But I can't see them winning. If they no. win five, that I think
0: five, five six. Is their cap. six.
2: That's their max is a five-win season. Um, but I think you can, when you're in a rebuilding mode and I kind of think of this all the time when I think about the Sixers in the process, you can have a losing season and still consider success based off of the development of the players. Yeah. You know, if they go 5-11 and 11 this year, but Daniel Jones cuts down on the interceptions per game, um, if they, I forget, I brought it up because I thought it was big, a, a really, you know, thing, he, he got sacked 38 times in 12 games. You know, if, if the line can protect him better, you know, Saquon doesn't get hurt like he did last year for that little bit of time he missed those kind of things could be considered a success and you could build on them for next year or two years from now which who knows what the league's going to look like yeah. with salary cap situations is Dak going to you know, stick around in Dallas is you know Carson Wentz in general, Like there's so many things that could happen over the course of you know one off season to the next that uh, yeah if, if they you can have a successful season by just
0: winning four games the thing that the big thing with the Giants are, you know, in the next couple of years, if Daniel Jones keeps showing out, you know, showing up, what he's doing, and Saquon, you know, those two are going to gonna get massive, massive deals. And the thing Imagine is, what if... what
2: they're getting now, like with the Dax, yeah. you know, fighting for, what Daniel Jones will get. He'll be getting $50, $60 million a year in two years. It's insane. But,
0: but the thing is, you think about it, if the Giants keep losing and they're not putting together winning seasons... A player like Barkley, is he gonna even if he's offered a ton of money, is he gonna stay with the Giants even if they're losing? That's another thing that you get to uh, a point where you never know. I mean they 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 are gonna that's have
2: It's hard to say. I mean a running back wants to maximize his value as quickly as he can. The Giants will be able to give him that and maximum value they... right away. So in a running back position, I think he probably stays at least through a second deal. But a quarterback or Gary Slay as a wide receiver, um, I think they're more likely because their careers can last on average longer than a running if, back's does. So I, I could see them maybe, you know, moving on when the time comes. But Saquon's going to want that big deal as soon as he can get it.
0: They've got to have one of the youngest rosters because they have so many young players. Yeah. And if 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 a you know even a handful of these guys become quality players or anything, they're going to be down the road in a couple of years, they're going to be a team to keep an eye on. They're, You know, they haven't been – they really haven't been much since – what was it, when uh, – because Eli Manning has struggled the last couple of seasons, even when they had Beckham. I know they made that one playoff, but, you know, they just – they haven't really showed you much of anything. They've kind of been – I'm not going to say they've been a laughing stock, but they've kind of been a – okay, they're the Giants, they're just gonna... Alright, That those are two easy wins, you know, like that, but...
2: you know, The Giants were stuck with Eli. They couldn't really get rid of him because yeah. of his contract, but yet he wasn't ready to retire, and he did bring him two Super Bowls, so they kind of had to ride it out as long as they could with Eli, just, I mean, out of respect, almost, to an extent.
0: And they got two Super Bowls out of it, so yeah. it's...
2: I mean, I, I would have four bad losing seasons if I can get a second Super Bowl, you know?
0: Yeah, that's... Exactly. But... You know, with with the Giants, like I said, for me, they're you know they're a young team. I don't think they're a, a big threat. Could they maybe give you a little bit of a run? You know, a little run for your money in terms of they're not going to be a, a pushover. I don't think that unless injuries happen and they have a bunch. Like I said, they don't have a ton of depth. So if injuries happen, yeah, they could be you know an easy game. But I still think that they're going to be. A, especially when you have Saquon Barkley back there, if Daniel Jones improves a little bit, but even even but even that, you know, you have with Slayton and Shepard and if Ingram's healthy and you have Saquon Barkley and Dion Lewis, I think they're gonna still pose a threat offensively. The defense, on the other hand, may be a little bit, you know, struggling if they don't you know, with all the young young players they have and to me I think I think I think the Eagles get two wins against them this year. But yeah, I just bring I, that up, they play in
2: week seven. Yeah. on uh is that sunday night it's, a, it's an eight twenty 20 game Hold yeah it's a sunday night yeah it's an eight twenty. it's a fox game so that's actually possibly a
0: thursday night uh, game. yeah it's a thursday night
2: yeah nfl network fox on thursday the 22nd it's week seven and then we go to the cowboys the next week then we have our we have our bye then the cowboys and then we play them again on the 15th at one o'clock so we're playing them week seven and week ten um You know, they're going to have time by that point to gel a little bit as much as a young team can gel. But, yeah, I I see it being two wins. The Eagles should still be hopefully pretty healthy by that point. They're not going to be run down at the end of the season. Um, Hopefully they're not on all practice squatters by week seven, the Eagles. So that they're, (laughs) you know, know, running pretty well still. Um, But, yeah, I I, I see no problem with the Eagles beating them twice. It should be a clear-cut two wins for the Eagles um, home and away should not be an issue for them against the Giants this year.
0: No, and I agree. And, you know, with that, you know, wraps up kind of our, our New York Giants. And I'm going to play – I'm going to start something, um, especially these next three um, kind of breakdowns of NFC East opponents. And this year um, – the next week, it's going to be the Washington Redskins. We're going to talk about and then the uh, or the next episode, Washington Redskins, and then the following episode after that is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. And like I said, every week I'm going to start playing a clip of you know a signature moment in Eagles history. You know, some really obscure games and some different things. It's just like a little audio clip. And this is going to be an Eagles Giants moment. I'm going to play that right now.
1: In the corner, beautifully executed rollout, ladies and gentlemen. Randall Cunningham is a ready for prime time player. This guy
2: has not been seen by many national audiences before, but I think you're starting to get the drift as to what kind of football player plays here in Philadelphia.
0: So, you know, that was
2: who who, who are the announcers of that?
0: I don't know, I didn't look and see. I think it was that
2: the color guy that said towards the end there because at first it was hard to hear the uh the play-by-play guy because the crowd was so loud at the moment but then after the touchdown was scored uh the guy said, well most people don't know randall and this is who he is i remember that play vividly from my childhood huge play showed his athleticism massively
0: yeah and i think that was the first time like a lot of people saw him uh prime time and kind of you know, saw his athleticism. Saw his,
2: for the no, You know Because they can't see what you were just playing. Just see it now.
0: So what I just played was the, basically Randall rolling out, Carl Banks coming, hitting him in the legs, and Randall puts his arm, his arm down, braces himself, steps back up, and throws the touchdown to Jimmy Giles in the end zone. When was it from? I don't know. What is it? Eighty seven.
2: Uh, you're the one that picked the clip. I thought you were prepared with your clip. You got, you got, got. We got people listening. You got to be able to set these clips up, Johnny.
0: Hey, you, you're you the one who said, oh, I remember, I remember I that. I do so, remember
2: it, but I'm just trying to call you out. That's all.
0: Hey, I just got the clip. I thought... It, <laughs> hey.
2: Shows always break down towards the end when we have to make fun of Johnny. Jeff's out here to help me make fun of you, you know?
0: Yeah, well... I'm sorry.
2: Jeff's a slacker. I'm the dedicated one. I go away. I still pull, pull together. You know, Jeff. You know, he goes on a thing and disappears.
0: Hey, I w- I I went to the beach and I did I did the podcast That's from right. the beach. Dedication. So so don't, don't don't give me that that I'm not dedicated to.
2: Oh, I didn't give it to you. So anyway, we, we obviously want to thank Ross Tucker and all. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, while, talking to him, I was going through some new tweets that he was tweeting out just later tonight. And uh, for those that don't know, Ross Tucker is a very large man. Uh, I mean, nowadays, he's 6'4". He still weighs in at 260 and all. And he interviewed the number one ranked high school offensive lineman in the country.
0: Nolan Rucci, pocket. right? What's that? Nolan Rucci?
2: Yeah. Did you see the picture that yeah. he took next to the kid when he was 15 years old? And he makes Ross Tucker look like a baby. He is, at 15... He's bigger than most NFL linemen right now. He's
0: it's from insane to see the picture. So you guys definitely gotta check out this post on his
2: page. It's uh, it was posted actually this morning, eight thirty five. Uh, this morning. I mean, it's
0: he's so it's quite common to look next So show. no just a quick backstory. Nolan Rucci, six foot eight, two ninety five. He's from uh he's in high school. his high school is Warwick. He's the class this year, so he's gonna I know Penn State, because I think his dad played at Penn State. Todd, I think his name was. Todd Rucci. I think his dad. I think it was his dad. Um, He's from Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And from Warwick. And he's the number four offensive tackle in the country. Number 15 national player. And the number one overall player in Pennsylvania. Okay,
2: that's – I just saw number one on the tweet. Maybe he just met in Pennsylvania, yeah. but yeah.
0: So right now, a lot of experts have him going to Penn State with Wisconsin and Clemson trailing behind. But he's got offers from absolutely he's everywhere. He's
2: already being considered a first-round pick yeah. when he gets into the draft. That's, that's how talented this kid is. Yeah. I couldn't imagine being that talented at that young of an age, but also that big.
0: So, hey, hopefully he joins Penn State, but, you know – yeah, I know. Hopefully. You'd, you'd appreciate that. But for me, as, you know, I, as a fan, I'd like him to join Penn State. But for me, join an institution that's going to get him the best education and that's going to help him for the future. And that's yeah. and, you, and you can't be upset. And I, I get people that, and this is going a little off topic, but just something I like to, I want to say because I see it a lot, is when a, a player that, a high school player now, take in mind these kids are 17 and 18 years old and they pick their college destination. You have people saying, oh, why didn't you pick this one? The thing is, it's their personal choice. It's what they want to do in their life. They have to make, they're making a life decision and say, hey, it doesn't work out and they wind up transferring or doing something like that. It's the it's the meaning of life. We all go through life decisions and for them to knock a player because they didn't choose the school that they cheer for is the biggest, This to me, that, that bothers me the most. Yeah, I would love for, you know, a top high school recruit to play for the team I root for. But if they go and play for another team and they wind up, you know, learning something that, you know, a player they're playing with or a coach that they're there that they, you know, to help them in, for the future to when they're not in football and in life itself, to me that that goes beyond playing the game of football. It's about life and it's about you know, getting yeah, I mean, an education.
2: I, I transferred schools because I, 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 you know when you're making that decision at that age and it's really tough for the athletes because yeah. they have all these people begging them and throwing them scholarships and everything else at them. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them. But just for the average kids that go to college, it's tough when you're 17. You have to make that decision. You can't let your parents make that decision for you. Yeah. But on the flip side, even as a kid that doesn't have sports, you still have some pressure from your kid, your, your parents on where to go. And, I mean, where I originally wanted to go to where I went my freshman year. So I was originally going to go to Newman. Then I went to Dre- But I chose Drexel. And then I hated Drexel, and I had to drop out of Drexel. And I ended up getting a degree from Widener. But, you know, it's really hard when you're that age. I also changed majors, like, six times. Because when you're 17, 18 years old, you don't know what you want to do, where you want to go. And making life decisions is really tough.
0: Yeah. And his his father, Todd, played offensive line for eight seasons in the NFL and played at Penn State. And his brother, Hayden, is a tight end that was signed out of uh, two years ago uh, for Wisconsin. So that's a reason maybe Penn State and Wisconsin are kind of the two... Big 10 uh, schools. Yeah. So... And, you know, good luck for him. And I'll, we'll, we'll be watching. And hopefully he yeah, just... I, I, of... I saw it. I liked it. I thought it was... Yeah, that's crazy.
2: He was a great, great guy to have on the show. You know, we, we seem to get all the offense alignment on this show. And, uh, you know, I love. I, I could never imagine two, three years ago spending so much time talking about offensive line play.
0: Hey, they're athletes too. Just they are big time. But, you know, with that... You know, we appreciate everyone listening. We appreciate Ross's time. Um, and, again, you can follow Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker at NFL. And you can follow his podcast at Ross Tucker Pod. And you can follow us, um, All About the Birds, at AAT AATBirds um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can follow... Phil at Beard and Knowledge. You can follow myself at JohnnyU9322, and I'll I'll throw it to Jeff to You follow Jeff at Eagles Pulse Jeff. <laughs> no, uh,
2: don't follow him. He bad on us.
0: But uh, you know, with that, you know, look forward to talking on the next next episode. But go birds.
2: Go birds. You know what you got.